On today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures, we discuss the unofficial national anthem of Australia. We talk about a drum sound made from a car door slamming that even made Phil Collins envious. And we talk about an emotional song that brings a tear to my eye every time I listen to it. So sit back and enjoy our take on John Farnham's You're the Voice. This is Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. Bill, I've known you for about 30 years. Yeah. I don't know necessarily if you are or not. Are you a betting man? No, I'm not a betting man. Okay. So I can't put a wager on this episode. At what point do you think that I will get teary-eyed and start crying a little bit? Oh, I'm going to give it uh, within the first seven minutes. <laughs> it's a pretty good odds that that's going to happen. Are you crying? Wait, you're crying right now. I might now. be crying right now. Okay. So you brought this song to the table. Yeah. I had never heard it. At least I didn't think I'd heard it before. And I still stared at you when you're trying to explain it to me. I had no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. I find that it's easier for me to explain songs as opposed to actually playing them for <laughs> yeah. you. You know, it's, it's this song. It's by this Australian artist. His name's John Farnham. The song's called You're the Voice. And, and it's all about finding your voice and, and standing up and being strong. And you just, you had no idea what I was no talking idea. about. No idea. However, this song is, number one, the song is incredible. Yeah. Number two, the song is a huge hit in places that are not North America. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The unofficial national anthem of Australia. Yeah. And apparently when the uh, prime minister in 2018, I think it was 2018, somewhere around there, when he heard it at, I don't know if it was at, was it the Olympics then? Was that some event? Well, the Sydney Olympics were in uh, 2000. Oh, then that's not that. Okay. <laughs> he heard it at some event. And the fact that he wasn't singing along with it was a bigger, like, political controversy than any of the actual horrible things that had gone on in his government. <laughs> oh. So the fact that he didn't know what made him un-Australian. Yeah, okay. <laughs> So my introduction to the song, You're the Voice by John Farnham, actually happened in 2007 when the song was about, tw well, I guess it would be 21 years old. It came out in 1986. So in 2007, there's a little movie starring Andy Samberg called Hot Rod. And the movie's better when I explain it as opposed to if people were to actually watch it. Long story short, Andy Samberg is, his name is Rod, and he's a quote unquote stuntman. And he's doing this big, huge charity jump towards the end of the movie, the grand climax of the movie. He really isn't a stuntman. He wants to be a motorcycle stunt driver like Evil Knievel, but he has this little moped that he soups up and his friends build ramps for him and he always gets himself injured. Anyways, like I said, way better when I explain it. 
The scene where You're the Voice comes in is they're walking down the street towards the event and the hand claps or whatever at the beginning of the songs come out. John Farnham's voice comes in and it's building up to something. And then all of a sudden, all these townspeople are walking behind him and creating this sort of almost parade or, or march towards the event. Then all of a sudden, this giant riot breaks out and people are looting and all this other sort of stuff. And it's just absolutely absurd, like the kind of thing you would expect from an Andy Samberg movie. But that was my introduction to this song. And I fell in love with it at that moment. And that was before you were traveling to Australia semi-regularly for one of your jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How often did you go to Australia for that job? With the- I went once a month for a year. <laughs> Yeah. And I would be there for a week. Would you hear John Farnham when you were down there? I heard it a few times. And even at that point, I didn't understand how big it was in Australia. Right. We reached out to three of our listeners and friends from the land down under, if I may say, call it that. I think so. Okay. And they both knew the song well with varying degrees of acceptance. And appreciation of it. appreciation, (laughs) I think. And I think we have that here in Canada. Sometimes people don't want to talk Celine Dion or Shania Twain. Yeah. Unless it's us two. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, But it sounds like John Farnham is inescapable. And if you're in a pub, everyone's going to sing along with it. And if you're at a sporting event, everyone's going to sing along with it. If you're at your grandparents' Everyone's going to sing along with it. If you're outside, everyone breaks at a dance. Yeah. That's what I picture anyways. Unless you're the Australian Prime Minister in 2018. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so John Farnham is, he's born in England and moves to Australia, to Melbourne, when he's 10 years old. I don't think he really had a, a musical pedigree. From the one uh, news clip that I watched, he gave a lot of credit to his grandfather, who was a bit of a card bit of a social person, right? like taught himself how to play piano and, and stuff like that. So John Farnham kind of self-taught himself how to how to play and sing. Yeah, he wasn't like, um, he didn't have singing lessons, right? That, that was what I caught. Maybe yeah. that's why his voice is so unique. Yeah, 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 yeah. He starts playing in, in a couple of bands and whatnot, and he gains major notoriety at age 18 when he comes out with a novelty song called... Sadie, the cleaning lady. Unbelievable. We listened to it before we just started this podcast. Yeah. We actually watched the video. Yeah. Which we will unfortunately post. (laughs) And it was so difficult for me that I really need like a bowl of sorbet just to clean my palate and maybe hear your other voice again just to get back on track. But that was something else. Yeah. Uh, There was like a dancing gymnast in a... um, French maid outfit. The lyrics were on the screen, which made it all the worse. Yeah, because he could actually follow and understand what he's singing. It looked like something out of one of those Christopher Guest movies. Like, yeah. it, there's no way this is not a comedy. Yeah, exactly. It right. was super funny. 
and just super horrifying. Yeah, it was cringeworthy. It's a career killer. Yeah. At 18, he became Little Johnny Farnham. Is that it? Yeah. Little Johnny? John, uh, Johnny Farnham. All right. I'm putting Little in front because that was so bad. Yeah. And so by the time he's trying to get to this song, that's putting up the walls. No one wants him to touch it because he's Johnny Farnham. Yeah, because, well, this was in 67 when Sadie the Cleaning Lady came out. So he went all through the 70s mm-hmm. and he was in like musical theater and, and all these, uh, he hosted some game shows or, or some variety shows or, or something like that. He was in the Little River Band? Is that, the- that was in the 80s. 80s, okay, yeah. all right. That's when he's trying to shed the Johnny Farnham image. So he's popular and everything through the 70s. By the time he hits like 1980, he's like, okay, I got to be grown up now. Mm-hmm. So his kind of like comeback song to try and, uh, you know, show people that he's matured and everything is a cover of the Beatles' Help. Okay. So, pretty fitting, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So that's in 1980. Then in 82, he joins the Little River Band as their lead singer. The previous lead singer, Glenn Shorrock, left. And then John Farnham became the, the lead singer. Right. And didn't go over well with critics or with the fans. Right. This leads him to a point where after a series of other bad business decisions in his language, he ended up, I think he sold his house. He had to sell his car. Yeah. And he was renting a house in a place called Boleyn, at least according to this article I'm reading. Okay. Now, I've never been to Australia, so hopefully our Australian listeners will be uh, patient with me as I try to understand the geography of a place. Well, your understanding of Australia is probably like a lot of people's understanding of Canada. It's just like everyone knows where everything oh, is, yeah. right? We kind of do, don't we? Well, it's, it's a big place, though. We're not very good at geography, though. No, I. no, no, none at all. Either way, he's in a place where he's renting and he's turned the basement into a makeshift studio. Yeah. Not sure what his landlord thinks about that, but that's going on. His friend... Glenn Wheatley? Yeah. Who's his manager? Who's his manager. Has now mortgaged his house. Yeah. To, I mean, you want to talk about a betting man, he bet on Farnham. Exactly. That's that's what I put. He bet on the talent and his friendship, and he believed in the talent. Are you setting this up so I have to give you money or something? No. Well, I haven't cried yet, but... uh... Sorry. All right. We hit a point. He's making an album. The album is called... Whispering Jack? Yes. And why is it called Whispering Jack? <laughs> so the way I understand it here, he was in a jazz club in the US and he was mistakenly introduced as Jack Phantom to some people. It became kind of this a little bit of a joke and he started providing some like running commentary on a local pool game that was going on and he referred to himself as Whispering Jack Phantom. Right. That's how he came up with the name for the album was Whispering Jack. Right. Okay. Well, now, now that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So he's working on this album. So they have people working under them, finding the right song. Yeah. And there's about, I think, two weeks before they're done. The final song they get is this tape. Yeah. From Andy Kunta. Well, there's a, a couple of songwriters on right. it. I think the main songwriter no, was I mean, a the person. Chris- Oh, yeah. Andy Kunta was the one that... Gave the tape. That brought the tape. Right. But it was written by Chris Thompson, Andy Kunta, Maggie Ryder, and Keith Reed. And immediately, they know it's a hit. They love it. Yeah. They need to get permission for it. And Chris Thompson, who's one of the songwriters, and we'll go into their whole thing, says the guy who wrote Sadie the Cleaning Lady 
no yeah. hangs up the phone yeah. so now they're at a point where you know they have to fight for it they're going to win they're going to get the song yeah but the song means a lot to chris thompson and the other writers yes and let's go into that history so <laughs> so the the song comes from well chris thompson was supposed to attend a rally well it was an anti-nuclear demonstration yeah. in england but he overslept and he felt so bad about it. So he was watching it on TV. And apparently this rally had over 100,000 people. So he's watching it on TV and feeling so bad about it. He, he writes a song knowing that it needs to be somewhat of a protest song. So he writes the music for it. And then he calls up Keith Reed. He was working with Procol Harum. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he wrote A Whiter Shade of Pale or was a co-writer on that. Yeah, yeah. And he helped fix the final quarter of the song. because. Oh, okay. Chris Thompson had overslept, but it sounds like Andy Kunta and Maggie Ryder were there with him and they wrote yeah. the song. Yeah, yeah. His guilt. Yeah. Now, Chris Thompson was at one point a singer with the Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then the other two all have pedigree too. I think Maggie Ryder sang backup for the Eurythmics and played keyboard. Yeah. And then Andy Kunta. Would... Well, he was in Ice House. I don't know if you right. remember that okay, band from yeah. the 80s, right? Yeah, so he's, um, I mean, he's doing a lot of things. Yeah. They get Keith Reed in, he writes the lyrics, and Chris Thompson is saying, it's like, I got this song, I don't know what to do with it, but I think it needs to be political, it needs to be protest. Yeah. And so apparently Keith Reed adds, I have this here actually in this article, what he added to it. So Keith Reed was kind of helping with the the lyrics, and so the lines he was throwing in there were like, we're all someone's daughter, we're all someone's son. And just kind of cleaned it up enough so that mm-hmm. it was it came together. So you have four songwriters, which in the past I would have criticized as, oh, this is kind of dodgy when you have this many writers. Like in a movie. Yeah. When you get about eight writers in, you know something's wrong. Yeah, yeah. But not this song. Oh, yeah. Chris Thompson did a demo of it. Yeah, and his record label convinced him not to put it on the album he was working on because they said, nah, protest songs are over. They're, we're, we're done with them. So this is just coming off the heels of all those protest songs in yeah. the mid-80s. Now, yeah. I guess it did kind of fall off, but it's only 19, probably 85. It's 85. We Are The World is out in 85. Yeah. This is insane. Yeah. And Tears Are Not Enough is also out too. Yeah, exactly. Um, the unofficial Canadian national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> so he's convinced not to write it, but he has a demo, and the demo sounds very much like the finished product that John Farnham does because you can hear the the demo has been released. Oh, has it? It was pretty good. The big difference, there's two big differences. One is his voice isn't John John Farnham. And fittingly, in a song called You're the Voice, you want to have that. And then John Farnham, I think we'll bring it up later, but he has a stroke of genius. He changes the bass line to bagpipes. Yes. And that's that will come up, I think, or we can talk about it now. I also read that he changed the key of the song to a B flat because that's the only key that bagpipes play in. Because <laughs> they're flat. Oh, you mean they're always out of tune? Is that no, a joke? No, 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 I, no, no I'm, I'm being serious oh, for wow. once. I think it's a great joke. Yeah. Because they always be flat, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Because apparently, like, bagpipes are always out of tune. Doesn't, you might tune them, but they're going to be out of tune midway through the first blow or something yeah, like yeah, that. exactly, yeah. But I think there's four bagpipists going yeah, on there. Yeah, that's that's the... Four! Uh, yeah. This is kind of rare to have songs with bagpipes in general. Exactly, yeah. And the idea behind it came from, well, John Farnham 
being Australian and everything, is obviously a fan of ACDC. And ACDC has a song, It's a Long Way to the Top If You Want to Rock and Roll, which has bagpipes in it. It's amazing. So that's what inspired him to put the bagpipes into, into You're the Voice. So the production of this is pretty interesting. I learned some new things today. I mean, I could have been teaching a bit harder. <laughs> but um, one of the things was that they use a lot of technology over traditional instruments in the yep. song, except for the bagpipes. And they use the Fairlight synthesizer, which we yep. talked a lot about in previous episodes. But they were doing some samples. And for the um, demo of the song, is the ones they were working on, the drums aren't drums. They're a car door slam. Yeah. And so for the actual final version, they got a better car and they got a... <laughs> They got a Porsche <laughs> and then slammed the door oh, in a fancier garage. They did a Porsche <laughs> in a fancier garage, took that sound. So when you hear the drums, yeah. that's that's a car door. That's a car door. Yeah. And you want to hear the greatest compliment a person can hear? Farnham said, Phil Collins told John Farnham he liked the sound of the drums. Yeah. Little did he know it was a Porsche. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. We're going to work through the lyrics. We want to talk about how long was number one in Australia? It was number one for seven weeks, wasn't it? 26 weeks. Yeah, seven. seven plus 11. <laughs> seven plus 19. Uh, at least where I read is 26 weeks, number one. Okay. And there was calls from the record company saying, listen, we want Michael Jackson to get a number one hit. And this guy's keeping him from getting a number one. <laughs> it was so huge. It's like yeah. 24 times platinum. Yeah. The oh, album. Yeah. It, it For a number of years, he was the largest selling Australian artist. He's st and he still is. Is he still the? Still, yeah. There's only two other albums that have sold more. Yeah. In Australia. Number two, Canada's own Shania Twain. Okay. Come on over. And number one, Bad Out of Hell. Oh, really? During the recording of the album, though, Whispering Jack, there was another song that was brought to the table that he rejected. Do you know what song that was? No. We Built This City. <laughs> And he was right to reject Oh, it. no, if he'd done both of them, what a powerhouse. Yeah. Actually, the album is a powerhouse album. I was listening to it today. I'm like, oh, this is yeah. something I would have loved yeah. had I known about it. There is so much about this song. It checks all the boxes for me. Yeah. It's cinematic. It's emotional. It's grand. It's just sweeping. It just like it just floods all sorts of emotions. That's what I love. I'm all... I'm all emotive oh when it comes goodness. to songs. <laughs> this song went to number one in Germany and a couple other European countries. It yeah. did really well. thing I didn't realize was that it was number 12 in Canada. Yeah. Number 12. So yeah. it actually rose up the charts. It did well in Canada. 82 in the States. That's all it did in the yeah. States. Yeah, different market. You could kind of catch fire in places, I guess, in like Europe. The amount of people in Europe versus the amount of people in America is almost kind of similar. Yeah. But it could start in one place and kind of go to others. But Billboard's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At least that was John Farnham's explanation. Yeah. Here's the thing I was thinking about. In Canada, I haven't heard You're the Voice since I was listening to radio, which would have been late 80s. And so here's my issue, is I think it hits number 12. And then they just focus on their other current stuff. And then as time has gone by, even though there were big hits from the 80s, we had this thing called CanCon, yeah. Canadian content. You have to have 30% 
I think, on your stations. And then it goes with whatever company is running it. Yeah. And so they just ignore hits from other countries that did well in Canada because they just want to hit up the Canadian content than whatever else these machines put out. Mm-hmm. But we're missing our history. Yeah. History of liking songs from other countries that went up to number 10, 11, and 12. Exactly. Also hitting the charts and everything, it had to overcome a number of hurdles at the beginning because similar to Chris Thompson, the DJs, they wanted to shy away from the Johnny Farnham. The kid that sang Say to the Cleaning is like, I'm not going to play this song by him. But once they started, and then it just this groundswell movement, and people are requesting it, requesting it, requesting it. So it just exploded and became this huge thing. And it just crescendoed just the way the song crescendos. I think yeah. that's a term, right? Yeah, okay, I think perfect. so, yeah. <laughs> so they had to release it on Wheatley Records. Yeah. Right? His manager created a record label or had had his own record label. That was the only record label that would put it out. The market leader at the time, Triple M Sydney, said they would not play it. Yeah. So they'd send it out in like brown paper bags and it was sent as a reel-to-reel, which had never been done before. Like usually it would be on a vinyl. And so I think when they played the reel-to-reel, it was like the first time in the history of, of radio there that someone okay. would do this. Yeah. And it was Brad March at Two Day FM in Sydney, where it apparently started. Oh, okay. But then, it, like you said, it caught fire and people requested it for weeks. Yeah. And then it just kept going and going. It's yeah. such a great story. <laughs> it's, you know what? And the whole, the perseverance, he had nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Part of the this news clip that I watched, he's talking about how down he actually got in terms like financially. And his wife said, like, why don't we take the, the kids out to McDonald's? And he said, no, I can't. I We don't have enough money for McDonald's. Right. And there's that. There's the perseverance. And he keeps working his craft. And also the friendship and the belief that Glenn Wheatley has in him is just, is just so touching and inspiring it's like they believed in each other and they they worked with each other and and they're still really really tight friends yeah that sounds like this podcast i know i know yeah well i think it's time we work our way through this song yeah absolutely and like you had said before it's a perfect coming together of all the elements that make a great song yeah and especially for someone like me. Yeah, all feels. All feels. Nothing but feels. Yeah. Everything about it is dramatic. Well, that's it. And over the top. It's... Maximalist. Yeah. It's like a Jim Steinman song minus all the uh, weird S&M stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. So that first 30 seconds has the tick, tick, and then yeah. the, the Porsche. Yeah, the car door slam. <laughs> yeah, and it's just build up, build up, and it's a 30-second build. But you're there, and you're just rising with those waves, yeah. right? And then we get into that first verse. Mm-hmm. We have the chance to turn the pages over. His, his singing here is incredible. Yeah. And I have to stop myself. I, I can try to not stop myself because I want to finish the yeah, whole yeah. metaphor here. We have the chance to turn the pages over. We can write what we want to write. We have the chance to turn the pages over. We can write what we want to write. I like that. I like that he 
they yeah. keep going with it. We got to make ends meet before we get much older. We're all someone's daughter. We're all someone's son. How long can we look at each other down the barrel of a gun? We gotta make ends meet before we get much older. Pretty powerful. It is. Absolutely. That imagery of calling it out, say like, you know, we got to put an end to our conflicts and our differences and everything is incredibly, uh, I think that's a, that's a really powerful statement, like you said. But those opening lines, what I love about the song is it's a song about finding your voice, finding who you are and empowering someone to say, you can make a difference. You have a voice. And I love that about this. And that we're not doomed. Because no. Doomsday Clock is all about nuclear war, right? Yeah. And this is about nuclear war in a sense. Mm-hmm. Sleeping through one, maybe. Yeah. Or at least a protest. <laughs> well, a protest, yeah. But we have the chance to write a new page here, right? And the reason we do is because, well, we don't have a lot of time. And everyone's related in some ways, right? We're all someone's yeah. daughter. And I, I did a little bit of research wanting to find out how long does it take to find out we're all related to each other? <laughs> And I took a picture, a screenshot of uh, of it. There's a, you know, there's, it's approximate. But it is a 99.9999% chance that any given person you meet is at least your 16th cousin. Really? That's right. So, within, like, you know, 16, I think that would be 16 generations. I have no idea how no. that works. Well, either way. Now, if it's 15th, it's a 97.2%. <laughs> okay. But if it's 11th, it's only a 1.4% chance. Oh, okay. But between the 11 and the 15 is like kind of makes up yeah. everybody. That's huge. So, we're all related. Yeah. And you never fought with your siblings. No, no, never. Never. <laughs> okay. But there's that line, how can we look at each other down the barrel of a gun? Yeah. And so if you're looking at each other, that means you're all pointing guns at you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I get it now. Yeah. And back to those opening lyrics too. It continues in the first two lines. We have a chance to turn the pages over. We can write what we want to write. It's not predetermined how we go about this life. We have a chance to make a change. Yeah. We have a chance to write our own history. And it works because his voice takes you there. Yes. I mean, this is a song called You're the it's Voice. Soars. Yeah. Now, interestingly, when they had finished recording this, they had the version ready. He said he had a slight cold when he did it. He says, I usually just push through things. Yeah. So Wheatley shows up with his wife, Gaynor. Yeah. And a bottle of champagne. <laughs> and they want to hear this song. They've been waiting for it. And they sat there and it felt flat, he said. Okay. And like so, the bagpipes. Yeah. So John Farnham looked at him and said, you don't like it, do you? And then Wheatley said, well, the demo was just so special. There's something off here. It's like it's been overproduced. And this is the greatest line. If this were a movie, this would be like the big scene. Yeah. So John Farnham says the following. Okay, turn the lights out. They turn out the lights. And then he goes into the studio in that basement, right? I'm guessing, and nails this. So he re-records the vocals. That's right. That's bonkers. That's the vocal we're hearing. 
That's awesome. And that's it. So this is like, it's the moment. He sees the moment and he like, you know, he hit that home run at that moment yeah. or whatever they do in Aussie Rules football. Yeah, I think they get a try. I watched an Aussie Rules football game and as a staunch uh, Melbourne Demons fan, because I saw one game and uh, the CEO of the company that I was doing the work for brought me to the game and he was a Melbourne Demons fan. It's difficult for me to talk about John Farnham in such glowing terms because he supports the North Melbourne Football Club. Oh, wow. Which is, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Well, well, I guess we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> so we head into that chorus now that you've yes. let go of this whole Aussie rules. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're the voice. Try and understand it. Make a noise and make it clear. Oh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You, you just, you can't give it justice. You have to, you have to hear John Farnham yeah, sing yeah, it. Totally. We're not going to sit in silence. We're not going to live with fear. Oh, whoa. You know what? We better just play it. I think so. You're the voice. Try and understand it. You have a voice. You can sing. Like, you can... Yeah. Make you a can, noise. Make it clear. Right? Yeah, exactly. You can do this. Thank you for explaining the words that I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to, like, just barf out of my mouth right now. <laughs> well, I can't sit in silence. Yeah. Or live with the fear of, of you getting really barf. mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's true. This is what they're saying. This is what we kind of grew up in. I can't believe we didn't hear this. I, I'm interrupting I myself. In elementary school, of course yeah. you want to hear this. Yeah. They kept telling us we were the child of the universe and all that other stuff. Yeah. This song was way better than Child of the Universe. You I don't even that? remember Child of the Universe. You're the child of the universe. Yep. No, Let that your doesn't help spirit me. fly. You are the special one. And here's the reason why. You know what the reason is? You're the child of the youth. You even heard that, huh? <laughs> no. I think I sang it like that, which is why they might have put me in the back. It could have been. Yeah. Also, I, like, you're really tall. So. Yeah, that's true. That's why they said I didn't need to stand on the risers and I could face the wall. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, the sound reverberates off the wall. It, it, it gets did. that sort of echo feel to it. Yeah, that, that's what that, made that, it hurt so much. Yeah. All right. Well, that hurt. All right, let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> Verse two. This time we know... We all can stand together with the power to be powerful, believing we can make it better. someone's daughter we're all someone's son how long can we look at each other down the barrel of a gun there's your two verses yeah we were discussing this beforehand he sticks with what he knows he sticks with what works which is that chorus oh man yeah and the line power to be powerful yes. right? yeah, yeah yeah and he's got the uh theatrical voice thing going yes. on yeah 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 which could be almost comedic if yeah. done improperly or not done with the right amount of conviction or done with too much conviction. Yes. Yeah. There is not too much conviction for this. This is perfect. Yeah. So what more can you say? This is 
this is where once you hear these verses, all you want to do is shout out that chorus. Yeah. And then obviously after the verse, we jump into the chorus again. I think he repeats it twice. Yeah. And then we get into that awesome bridge, the the bagpipe, the bagpipe bridge, which I wouldn't think you would find outside of Scotland necessarily. And it would probably be noisy and not structurally sound. <laughs> but here it is. It is uh, rare to ever get bagpipes. Yeah. Right. In a song and to have them at this focal point and to have four going on. Yeah. I, I don't know if there is another song that does something like this. Even Chris Thompson said it was a stroke of genius. What he did with this decision. And that probably could have been the point where Chris Thompson hearing this song, hearing this version of it was probably like, no, no, it's his song now. And I'm sure as he's collecting the royalties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would say the royalties, they all do very well yes. on this. So so there's a whole bunch of them together getting a check twice a year. That's the dream, hey? Yeah. <laughs> This song is so perfectly set up for bar room singing. Yes. Right? This is a sing-along song. Yeah. And this is an anthem. Exactly. This is why you don't, you just need to know the chorus and go along with it. It wouldn't take long to learn it. And even if you're not fully functional, you can sing along with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love the instrumentation, the sort of 80s synth sounds, because the Fairlight, I think it's a Fairlight bass, which I always yeah. call the Foghorn sound. Okay, I always yeah, think yeah, of the yeah, Bruce yeah. Hornsby bass yeah. in, the, in the range as well. Oh, man. It brings back so many great memories of the 80s, even though I don't think I knew the song then. No. But it triggers everything. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Before we recorded, Bill texted me saying when he was going to be over saying, you know, I'm prepared. I sent a text back to him saying, I have two pages of notes. I think I overprepared. Mind you, my pages of notes could probably fit onto half a page, but you know. Well, you got all the feels. I have all, all the feels. So I'm, I'm trying to decipher the, uh, the scribble that I put. So after that bagpipe bridge, you get this amazing transition of the drums into the chorus. And it's not the car door slamming drums yeah. because you hear that at the beginning, that uh, that really bassy dramatic sort of doom, doom. This is what I feel Phil Collins was talking about because it has that in the air tonight feel about it. And it's just that drum roll transitioning us back into the chorus again to the outro choruses. Oh, man. Yeah.
Yeah, so good. And it has the woas yeah. in a time when the woas were true and real. Yeah. I have written down here what happened to the woas. I can tell you <laughs> what happened. But I would like to ask our listeners, and I think we'll try to do this on that Spotify thing, or you can just send us a message on any of our socials. You'll see it in the show notes, mm-hmm. which you'll see when you just take a look at the um, the podcast um Main page. Main page or the app you're using. Yeah. You can look at it there. Either way, I want to hear what's your great pump-up theme song. Yeah, Something that makes you want to be a better person and wants to make you want to save humanity. Something that gives you goosebumps. Yeah. And I feel a lot of these songs with the Woas can do this. Yeah. Now, I got to say, the Woas got killed by over-wooing us over the last 20 years. Coldplay. Too many woas. Oh, yeah. And if I was to go see them, people are just going to woa all the time. And yeah. Coldplay knew it. Coldplay also did this song with John Farnham in Australia. They did oh, yeah? Like, yeah. Oh, Which geez. is kind of cool. Yeah. Everyone's out there. But uh, he asked about the bagpipe part. And apparently Chris Martin or whoever, someone in the band said, we don't do bagpipes. Oh, no, Chris Martin, Coldplay. No. Yeah. No. No. Listen, a lot of mistakes there, Coldplay. I don't care if you don't do bagpipes. If you do this song, you include the bagpipes. Yeah. They weren't vivaing the Vita Loca. <laughs> Is that the song? No, but they should do Viva La Vida Loca because they did Viva La Vida. Isn't that the name of the album? Something like that, yeah. Either way. Great second album, though. Yeah. Way to go, Coldplay. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Sometimes whoa, whoa means stop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe Coldplay needs to stop their whoa, whoa. We use a lot of whoa, whoa. Yeah. I can keep going. I think... Uh, does but Mum from the Sun do woe woes? I feel like they would. It sounds like think, something yeah. they would. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm just starting to... Yeah. It's, I'm not going to... Now you're just pun- picking on hipster I'm, bands. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, I own all the albums by well, all yeah. these artists. So <laughs> I'm picking on myself. There's another part of the music that I love. Uh, the outro choruses. There's the drums that transition us into the chorus. But then in the choruses, you get these awesome searing soaring guitar oh yeah so not solos but you get this great guitar work and it's just it's in there and it's just doing its thing it's traveling all over but i think that the guitars are there to try and resemble the emotion of the bagpipes no i don't know what resemble means so i will not respond But doesn't it kind of feel like the yeah. bagpipe feel? Yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. It's competing. Me competing with them. Yeah. Saying, hey, don't forget about me. I'm an electric guitar. I yeah. matter still. Yeah. I have a voice. Yeah. Electric guitar, you're the voice. The only way I think you could pull competing with those bagpipes is if you dressed your guitar player in a very specific way. Who looks like Rambo? Yeah. This video yeah. is, um, well, there's it's something. The video does not do the song justice. It was done on a shoestring budget, and it shows. I'm kind of pumped, though, that they didn't... Like, when the song took off and exploded and became this huge thing, 
that they didn't reshoot the video and make a like right. a flashy, glamorous uh, video. John Farnham himself just, he's like, I'm just a regular bloke. I'm a regular guy. And I think in the end, they just said, here's another live performance. Here's another performance. Yeah. Here's another performance. And that's what seems to be getting tons of views. Yeah. I struggled to find the video on YouTube. You found it right yeah. away. So I don't know what I'm doing. Also, I used the term bloke. Did I use it correctly? Did I use it convincingly enough? You did. I mean, okay. you still, it wasn't as bad as hearing someone try to say it in an Australian accent because they traveled there once a month for a while. When when I used to come back with that fake Australian accent yeah, to yeah. try and impress girls, that yeah. didn't that didn't work out for me. Not, so much, at, all. Not <laughs> at all. The uh, video, like you said, cringeworthy for sure. Yeah. But the guy dressed up as Rambo is unreal. He's got maybe the loosest tank top I've ever seen. Yeah. And he has the red bandana that Rambo had in Rambo 2. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or 3. And he showed... Two. Uh, well, definitely 3. But uh, yeah, I think it's in both of them. I think that was part of his uh, outfit in the movies after that, right. after Rambo 2. But he shows up for all of about 3 seconds. And it is striking because yeah. when we we saw it, it's like, whoa, whoa, wait, that's Rambo. And you said, I told you, there he is. And it would just, you can't miss him once you see it. You yeah. can't unsee this. But it's just like a little, little glimpse and then he's gone. Yeah. So the video is kind of framed that it starts with like a couple in an argument in front of their daughter. Well, it starts with a newscast. And oh, there's right, also right. some like footage from like a fighter jet firing towards the ground. like the, But it's all black and white. Okay, so you have the idea of the macro world of war, yep. but then the inner war within the family unit. Yes, yep. And then John Farnham shows up and just grabs the kid. Yeah, because there's a like an argument happening and there's a plate that's thrown against the wall and all this other sort of stuff. Yeah. And... Yeah, John Farnham comes in, saves the child, right, and brings the kid into his like positive world of you're the voice. Bit of a Peter Pan moment. So he's now saved the child. Yeah, he's there, and I think we get into the goes from black and white to color. Oh no, no, he sings. It doesn't go color until he makes that turn. Oh wait, yeah. or does it? Oh, man, it, it, it transitions between black and white and color a couple of different times. Right, because Rambo is always in color. Yeah. And but the bagpipe portion is black, black and white. white. Okay, God, like John Farnham doesn't look comfortable in front of the camera. No, again, just a regular bloke. He might have been more comfortable with Sadie, the cleaning lady. <laughs> I was uncomfortable in Sadie. Yeah, the so was lady. I. So not a lot to say about the video, other than <laughs> you need to watch it. You need to watch it. And obviously, it's going to be linked in the show notes. Oh, my goodness. This song has a pretty incredible legacy, though, right? Yes. And John Farnham is very protective of it. Yeah. He's like, there's been attempts to use it from certain campaigns. Yeah. And he stopped it. But he did lend his voice to a current campaign that's going on as we're saying this. Yeah. Which is like a... Uh, yeah, in the fall of... 2023 which i guess would be their their spring 2023 right right or summer 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 uh I, I no because know. it was been... winter when i was just over there oh okay so i think they don't it's... run backwards no like the toilets no okay it's anti-clockwise there okay. that's what they call it oh okay we call it counterclockwise all right okay i think so i don't know i might be making things up yeah but yeah there's a uh there's a current campaign about um indigenous voices in parliament yes and so john farnham has put the song out for it at least he's he's lent it to them yeah to use so yeah. we know that's going on and there's a referendum coming up so the song is being played on tv even more yeah <laughs> so i guess all these commercials 
whatever you feel about this, you're hearing this song a lot. Yeah, one of our friends who lives in Australia who isn't as pumped about the song as I am, I think the the comment that he made, and I don't want to use names unless they draw the ire of the entire country of uh, Australia. I think he said, he said something along the lines of, Every time he hears the song, he wants to throw the radio across the room. But said he would listen with an open heart and mind to us talking about the song. (laughs) So hopefully there's pillows around the room in case he feels he has to throw Exactly. Let's talk about covers. I want to just do this quickly. There's the... um, Well, the version that was popular in the States was Heart did a cover version of it in 91. Yeah. And I got to say, it just doesn't land. Even no. though Annie Wilson's got a great voice, yeah. it's missing the... Um, passion. Passion and sort of the, the I don't know if it's reverb or the voices. Maybe it's just the voices piling on each other. It's mm-hmm. not there. Yeah. It's not working. There's also one by um, Alan Parsons. Yes. Which uses Chris Thompson as a vocalist. Yeah. Which yeah. is cool. Yeah, yeah. But it also doesn't have the power because it's John Farnham's voice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Celine Dion did a cover of this in Australia. Well, she sang it with, with John, John Farnham. Farnham. Yeah. So Chris Martin had done this with Coldplay with him. Actually, they just let him sing. Coldplay just gave him the okay, whole stage. Yeah, yeah. But Celine Dion sang it, and then John Farnham comes out to the surprise of the audience. Oh, okay. Awesome. And Celine Dion's so funny. Like, when she's doing this stuff, it's hard not to see it as, like, vaudeville yeah. to me, if that's the term I can use. Sure. Is it a French term? Vaudeville. It is. But it's just like she seems so um, kind of comical. I don't know. Yeah. It's just the way she's singing it. And then John Farnham comes out, but they were all going wild about it. Yeah. Not her greatest performance. It was something. It wasn't It wasn't this song. So, yeah. I mean, it's still the original track still stands. Yeah. Now, we need to talk about this. Yes. Actually, I think Michael Bolton could sing this song. Yeah. He is the voice in America. Now, if he had done this in America, would it have done big business? Just to come back around to this. Now, Michael Bolton could have done this. And I think it would suit his voice. Michael Bolton sings with a lot of passion. He does. But it's mostly like like sexy passion. Yeah. John Farnham's trying to um, disarm the nuclear powers. Yeah. And Michael Bolton, he's just trying to... Disarm the ladies out of their inhibitions. Yeah. But in the end, despite, you know, if you've listened to our podcast, Michael Bolton kind of has a special place here. Yeah. But John Farnham is a voice I had not encountered. There's a YouTuber named Nick Wilson who had heard John Farnham, I think, for the first time. He's got like hundreds of thousands of views. Yeah. 
and he just can't get enough and he just keeps going on and on about it. They've interviewed him on Australian TV this year oh, okay. and he just can't stop talking about it. Oh, really? It just goes nuts for it. So yeah. it might be picking up speed in the States thanks to Nick Wilson and the sort of yeah. TikTok or YouTube generation. Is he one of those guys that records himself hearing the song yes. for the first yeah. time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah, just yeah. can't get enough of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, his voice is so... <laughs> His voice is crazy, man. I loved it, man. The thing I was thinking about is in the 80s, think that this song would have crossed over to the States because there was a certain Australian that all of America loved, Paul Hogan. He hosted the Oscars. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So he, Crocodile Dundee didn't age super well, no. certain parts of it. But you'd think that it would come over. And yeah. I guess he was friends kind of with John Farnham. Well, well it's Australia's like Canada. Everyone yeah, exactly. knows everybody. Everyone. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you're right because there was this like sweeping sort of Australian craze yeah. for a while in the 80s. If this had been the theme song Crocodile Dundee 2, might have been more enduring. Yeah, exactly. Or have you seen Crocodile Dundee 3? I chose not to. Yeah, I saw it. I really liked Crocodile Dundee 2. I did too, yeah. I mean, using dynamite to go fishing, that yeah. didn't age well. No. Yeah, they can't use your other voice when he's using dynamite to... Yeah, exactly. To... I had like H-Mark written down. That's a cool way of saying Hallmark. Yeah. But we already have a Hallmark movie. It's called Hot Rod. Well, so I had an idea oh, wow. for okay. a Hallmark movie. So there is a romantic uh, subplot that's working underneath everything. Yep. But it's about a town that comes together that's about to be bought out by like big business or something like that for like a new highway or or something like that. It's a sleepy town in New England somewhere, Vermont. And they come together and they rise up against big business and they save the town. All right. There we go. Sounds good to me. I mean, I didn't really work it out. I kind of came up with it just now, but that's the idea. I think that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've seen some Hallmark movies. Actually, no, I haven't. But I assume that they have about the same level of sort of sophistication when they come up with a plot. Well, it's pretty much, this is plots in general. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I am very happy with my mixtape. I... How are you feeling? I... It's not my best. Okay. I did a bunch of research. Yeah. Then I made my mixtape. Then I dug deep into more research. And then I ran out of time before we started recording so my mixtape is protest or political songs from the 80s all right and a lot of these are pop songs that could be misconstrued as just like regular pop songs but oh. they all have political uh messages about them okay don't worry be happy first <laughs> 99 luft balloons by nina yes born in the usa bruce springsteen great song for ronald reagan yeah <laughs> Uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday by U2. Yeah. Luca by Suzanne Vega. Yeah. Beds Are Burning by Midnight Oil. Australian band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you kind of stepped on it earlier. Tears Are Not Enough by Northern Lights. Yes. What a tune. What a way to end. That's a pretty yeah. good mixtape to me. All right. My mixtape. Quick transition there. Yeah. <laughs> my mixtape has kind of two parts here. It started by just being songs with bagpipes in it. Oh, okay. And then it transitions to songs that should have bagpipes in them. <laughs> and then they're that good. And they, they feel like songs that are like the voice. You're yeah. the, or the, that are like you're the voice. Okay. First one has to be It's a Long Way to the Top. 
the ACDC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it doesn't really match the rest, but I had to put it in there yeah. because it's incredible. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then we're going to slow it down kind of quickly. Come Talk to Me, Peter Gabriel from the S album opens with bagpipes. Okay. And it kind of runs its way through up against the sort of electronic instruments. Yep. Really powerful. Then U2 again. We rarely talk about U2. Yeah. Tomorrow which is from the album October. Oh, yes. And it yeah, uses, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they're like bagpipes that are from Ireland, whatever versions of them they Irish are. bagpipes. There's something, yeah. The Irish pipes, yes. So, And it's a super powerful song. Yeah. That leads into Under the Milky Way by The Church, Sydney Australian band. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And they have a great bagpipe portion in there. Mm-hmm. Chris Newkirk and Ian McGlynn also love this. Oh, okay. Our, uh, our mentors. Our mentors, yeah. yeah. And songwriters. Yeah. And then I went with Mole of Kintyre by Wings, yeah, which is one of the ultimate bagpipe songs. And then I go to songs that I thought had bagpipes in them, and if they don't, they should. <laughs> My Song by Glass Tiger. It has the Chieftains in it, but it looks like they're playing flutes, but yeah. they can throw some bagpipes in there. Yeah. It's a great song. Then I have Sing by Travis. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Substitute the banjo for some bagpipes, and you got yourself an incredible song. Already one of the greatest songs. And then I end with Shout by Tears for Fears. On the same theme as You're the Voice in a way. And I feel you could throw some bagpipes in there too. I like that your transition from songs that do to songs that should. Yeah. I like that. That was good. I listened to that. Yeah. And you know what? It's inspiring because John Farnham, you are the voice. Yes. Where would you most expect to hear this song? I expect to hear this in a pub in Australia. I was going to say Australia. Yeah, Yeah, the only answer is Australia. I think I would hear it at the next Frank Fest. Yeah. Or I would hear it in Australia. Now, you heard it in New Zealand, didn't you? I heard it in New Zealand when I was there uh, on vacation. So I was driving around and the radio station that I was listening to had this competition. It was basically a bracket sort of playoff to find out the best rock song in New Zealand or, or in that specific demographic area that that I was driving around in. And it was the top like 128 songs. And it was up against Mr. Brightside by The Killers. And still not really grasping how big the song is over there. Understanding that Australia and New Zealand are completely different countries. And I'm thinking, well, there's no way that it's going to beat Mr. Brightside by The Killers. Like, that's a that's a banger of a track, too, right? And it's way more popular, at least I thought. You're the Voice won by well over 60% of the votes went to right. You're the Voice. Right. That was my most recent hearing of the song, which wasn't like me looking it up on YouTube and, and kind of crying and getting pumped up for right, this. Right. Are you going to listen to this while you run? Oh, I don't listen to music while I run, so... Cause you listen to Porsche doors slamming? Yes. You're running my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a running purist, so I'm too good to run with music. Kind of defeats the purpose of being at one with the running and the road and the nature. Do you have those awful shoes that have your your um your toes? Oh, the toes. Oh, those are the worst. Yeah, those people are all hospitalized right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Okay.
Well, Frank, you have picked a banger of a song, and I hope our listening audience has stuck with us and enjoyed it. And I hope you will look up John Farnham and recognize the gift that he is to popular music. The gift of his voice. This is an ultimate guilt-free pleasure. Yeah. Checks every box. And, dear listener, when you hear a song that's as great as this and you feel not enough people have enjoyed it or get it, just remember... You are the voice. Make a noise. Make it clear. We're not going to sit in silence, and we're not going to live with fear. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Thank you for listening to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures.